Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. We're talking about going, looking into 2020 with the eyes of the Spirit, the letter I, and we talked about identity a couple weeks ago. It's so important, first of all, for you to know who you are so that you can even know what, you're, what you can do, what you're able to do, what you're supposed to do. You can't know what to do unless you know who you are. And so the Spirit of God, think about this for a moment. In Romans chapter 8, it says that the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Yeah. Now I want you to understand that this, there's such security and there's such assurance in that. It's God <laughs> Himself the Spirit of God bearing witness with your spirit. Giving testimony to your spirit that you are children of God. Because there are doubts that come about that from time to time. Hmm? Stuff we've done, we've messed up, you know. So we start feeling insecure about our relationship with God. God feels so far away, or we feel so far away, or we've disappointed him. And so, but th- that's why we need the Spirit of God, that truth, that counselor of truth, to be reminding us again and again of our sonship. Yeah. Because if we lose hope of that, if we, if we don't see who we really are, then we become easy prey for the devil. Don't forget this. This is how the devil tempted Jesus. Three times he tempts him out in the wilderness. And the first, with every temptation, the first thing he says is, if you are the son of God. What's he do? He starts attacking his identity, first thing. If you are. There's no question that he was the son of God. Jesus didn't give in to that. Aren't you glad he didn't go, if? I never thought about that. Am I the son of God? I wonder if this. No. But if, he, if he's going to attack Jesus, I mean, seriously, that just seems so stupid that he would attack Jesus with that. He would question his identity. Let me tell you something. If he's going to question Jesus' identity, he's going to question yours. Hmm? So you have to know who you are. And that's why you need to hear the Spirit of God tell you and reassure you and bear witness with your spirit that you are children of God. As a matter of fact... There is a new, he's brought you into a new relationship and he's trying to get you to see this. There's a cry on the inside of us, a cry out in our hearts, a cry from our spirit that says, Abba, Father. All right, this isn't just big guy in the sky, man upstairs. No, Abba, Father, the, the, the most intimate kind of relationship that we can have with Almighty God. The spirit said, that is now the cry of your heart. You can now call him what Jesus calls him. Hmm. Jesus called him all the Father. There's only one other place in Scripture that said, in his Mark chapter 14 when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane under the travail of, of, uh, of the, the sins of the world being transferred over onto him. And his body literally begins to break down under the pressure, starts sweating blood. And he says, Abba, Father. Yeah. And the Spirit has put that same level of intimacy and deep relationship inside of you with yeah. Father God. Which means that your sonship is just as genuine, just as authentic and real as Jesus' sonship. Woo! You get to call him what Jesus calls him. So that's what uh, we talked about first thing. And then today I want us to go to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We're going to talk about instruction. The, The Spirit is here to bring us instruction. He is a teacher, a good teacher. 
Uh, verse 11 of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, for what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Verse 12, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. You see what you have received? You have received the spirit who is from God that we might know the things that have been what? It's important that we catch freely here. Freely given to us by God. Because the spirit of the world says ain't nothing in this world is free. That's why you need the spirit of God to show what is freely given to you. Because God's stuff is free. God's stuff is free. You can't earn it, but you must receive it. That's what, that, that's his, those are his terms. It's free. Well, what am I supposed to do about it? It's free. Hmm? In the words of Texas, come and take it. Huh? It's freely given to us by God. Oh, man. These things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. Say this with me. Holy Spirit, teach me. Hmm? Teach me, Holy Spirit. He teaches. All right. Now watch. <clears throat> Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man, that's this right here, does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. The word spiritually means aided of the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit's aid to discern the things of God, to know the things of God, to understand the things of God. But he who is spiritual judges all things. That is one who is filled with and governed by the Spirit of God. Is this anybody in the room today? Somebody here filled with and governed by the Spirit of God? Right? Yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. Verse 16, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? And in other words, who can be God's teacher? Hmm? Right. Who can be God's teacher? That means we're the ones that are taught. Right? But this says, but we have the mind of Christ. Say that with me. I have the mind of Christ. So you have the mind of Christ, but my family, how many of you know that that's not an automatic? Just because you have it doesn't mean necessarily you're using it. Hmm? We have to also consciously put on the mind of Christ. That is, we set, what is the, well, what is the mind of Christ? Well, the mind of Christ is known in, this, in his word. These are God's thoughts put on, put in the words. All right. The mind of Christ is that which you've been taught in this new covenant. I would start with the, the letters that Paul wrote so you can know what the mind of Christ is. And that is, the mind of Christ has something to do with you are the righteousness of God, as Ashley was talking about earlier. You are the righteousness of God in Christ because he who knew no sin became sin for you. That's the mind of Christ. That's not our natural mind. Our natural mind tells us we are sinners, we are rotten, we are dumb. Right? We're disqualified, we're too weak, we're blah, blah, blah. We are real good at beating the crud out of ourselves. Huh? But the mind of Christ says, you are the righteousness of God. You are holy and blameless and above reproach in the sight of God. Yeah. See, why we need the mind of Christ so that we can really, really live in this wonderful truth of our Christian life. Verse, let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Verse 16. I'm going to go through a few scriptures here and then I'll let you go. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All scripture, how much scripture? All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Another word, that word inspiration means it's God breathed. 
All right? This is where this is, we see the Spirit of God in relation to the Word of God. Remember in the very beginning, when it says, uh, uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, light be, let there be light. So the Spirit and the Word working together. So here's the God-breathed Word, the Scripture, the written Word, and it's profitable. Here's what it's profitable for. Doctrine, reproof, correction, for instruction in righteousness. I want to help you understand what all that means. Doctrine simply means teaching or the things that we learn about God. Okay? Teaching and learning. So I want us to go to Luke chapter 12 now. Anybody got their Bible on them? Are y'all just go by the huh, the screen? Because I, I want to, if you do have a Bible on you, I want to encourage you to highlight something or maybe underline something here, all right? If you're one of those who likes to mark in your Bible, and I, and I do. Even my digital Bible, I have it highlighted right here. Let's see. Luke chapter 12, verse 11. Now, now, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, okay? And he's telling them about the days that are coming when he leaves, and now they're the ones that are going to be taking, on, you know, taking his mission on forward, and they're going to be brought before uh, uh, the, 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 the heads of the, of the religious system, right? The, the religious leaders, and they're going to have to get a, an account for some of the things that they're, that they're doing because... Um, what they're doing is what the religious leaders aren't doing. That is, they're actually doing the work of God, right? Signs and wonders and miracles. People are being healed. Wonderful things are happening. And so they're going to be called into question about those things is what they're talking about. And so Jesus warns them here. He says, now when they bring you to the synagogues and magistrates and authorities, do not worry about how or what you should answer or what you should say. Now, let me tell you something. Um, in the natural, they should be worried about what they should say because if they say the wrong kind of thing, they could be stoned to death. They could be imprisoned. So any person naturally would be very fearful if all of a sudden they were absconded and brought before these magistrates to answer for their actions. I mean, anybody in their right mind would be fearful, but Jesus said, don't worry about that. Don't be fearful when you're brought before these high-powered officials. For the Holy Spirit will teach you when in that very hour. The Holy Spirit will... See, that blesses me. The Holy Spirit knows what to say in uh, pressure-producing moments, in in fear-producing kind of situations. The Holy Spirit is there. He'll teach you how to respond to that. You could respond like everybody else. You could go into freak-out mode. Hmm? You could give in to another panic attack. You could could just crumble again. Or the Spirit of God has a way to take you into victory. He has a solution amongst all that chaotic kind of trouble that's going on, that confusion. He has an answer. He has clarity. He has peace to bring right there. He will teach you in that very hour. I'm glad that he's in my every hour. Hmm? Amen. He's in your very hour right now, what you ought to say. So that's not the moment to get scared. That's the moment to get excited. Now, this is what's amazing is that this literally comes to pass in Acts chapter 4. Watch this. So Jesus tells them what's coming. You're going to be brought before these guys. Don't worry about it. Don't be fearful. The Spirit's going to teach you. All right? 
Acts 4, verse 5. And it came to pass on the next day that their rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, just naming all the big wigs, okay? And as many as were of the family of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. Now, here's the deal. The two that they're going to be talking to are Peter and John. Peter and John, in Acts chapter 3, were on their way to the temple to pray because it was their hour of prayer that day. So they're on their way, and they come across a beggar sitting at, the, at a gate called Beautiful. And this man has been crippled from his mother's womb. He, he, can't, he has no strength in his ankles, so he can't walk. So somebody has to carry him there every day so he, so he can beg for, for alms, so he can you know, survive another day. So he has his hand out, and Peter says, look at us. And the man stops to look at him, and he says, I don't have what you're asking for. The silver and gold that you're asking for, I don't have. But what I do have, I'm going to give that to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took that man, who had, think about it, who had never stood on his own two feet, took him by the hand and lifted him up. And the Bible says, immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. And he went walking and leaping and praising God. I mean, a notable, this guy was known by everybody in the community. All of a sudden he's walking, not just walking around, he's jumping around. So now Peter and John have to be brought before the magistrates to give account for their miracles, or this miracle. And when they, watch verse 7, and when they set them in the midst, they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter, I love this, what? Filled with the Holy Spirit. Right there, that very present help came right there. Filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, If we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all, I love this, and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified. Ouch. You're you're the one supposed to be given answers, and now you're, you're... calling us into account, whom you crucified. It's by that name, whom you crucified. Wow. Whom God raised from the dead, ouch again, because you have no answers for that. By him, this man stands here before you hold. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Love this. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Well, the Holy Spirit was teaching right here, wasn't he? Hmm? Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John... (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty bold to stand there before the high priest himself and say, you crucified him. This is the stone you rejected. Remember the book of Isaiah that you teach about all the time? You're that guy. So it says, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, (laughs) because this was pretty amazing before, if you knew anything about their prior experience, when Jesus was crucified, where did Peter and John and those guys go? They ran. They ran and hid because they were afraid of these Jewish leaders. They were afraid for their lives. And now he's standing up here filled with the Spirit, calling them out. Who does he think he is? 
See, the Holy Spirit, when he comes to teach, he changes your whole life. You know what? If if you remember um, uh, Samuel, when he anointed Saul as king, and he told him... um, uh, he, Saul, this young king had been out looking for his donkeys. They had run away. And so he's out looking for them. And the Lord directed Samuel to find him, this man, uh, son of Kish, he's a Benjamite, and, and to anoint him to be next king over Israel. So Samuel does this. He, and then he tells him where the donkeys are. Thank God for the prophet, right? And he said, but along the way, on the way there, you're going to run into some other prophets. Now, this is interesting. And he says, and then you're going to begin to prophesy, and you are going to become as another man. See, when the Spirit of God is in your life, you become as someone else. Matter of fact, you become more like Him. And this is what's happened. Peter and John have become other men. Filled with the Spirit. And now they're not shy, they're not squeamish at all to stand before the high priest himself and declare this truth and declare the name of Jesus. And it says, and when they, they, and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men... They marveled, and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Now, it's amazing to me that they know that a miracle has taken place. They cannot, they've all walked by this crippled man and probably given him some kind of money. But now here he stands before them. He's completely whole. They don't have any answers for it. So they get up, instead of going, praise God, this is glorious. They go, who did this? So then Peter and John come in. And they said, by what name have you done this? And so Peter tells them what he tells them. And you would think they would go, oh, God, forgive us. We want, we, what must we do to be saved? No, instead they threaten them. Don't ever speak in that name again. But the lame walk at that name. And then Peter said, whether we should obey you or God, you decide. Well, eventually Peter got thrown in prison again, but the angels rescued him out of there. But I'm just saying religion is so blind. It blinds us so much. And, and here they are faced with, with infallible truths and, and still don't believe. But that's why we need the Spirit to continue to teach us, continue to instruct us. All right. Also, in 2 Timothy 3, it says that, it's, that the Word of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof or evidence. That by which a thing is proved or tested. All right? I love this about the Word of God. It invites us all to put it to the test so that we can find out the evidence of its power. We can find out the evidence of its truth and of of its unending wisdom. I was telling our 930 service that last semester I was talking to a young man at Christ for the Nations. I was, um, after classes that morning, I was meeting another student at lunch in the cafeteria there. And as we're having lunch, he walks over to me. He's a fairly new guy. Maybe he'd been there a semester and a half or so from uh, Portland, Oregon. I think his name is Jeremy, maybe. Do you know who I'm talking about? Terry? No. Bald guy? I don't know. Anyway, um, he comes up to me and he tells me, he said, I said, can, he said, can you pray for me? He said, I'm, I'm actually about to have to leave school because I can't pay any more on my school about, and I'm pretty much out of money. I lost my job. And um, he said, I mean, I feel God called me to be here. He said, but if I can't pay the school bill, I have to leave. They're going to kick me out. I said, okay. I said, I think God called you here too. Because I know a little bit of his story, how he got there. It was, it was a miracle anyway. And I said, well, do you have any money? He said, well, I have a little bit, but I mean, it doesn't even touch what I owe on the school bill. 
And, and as I'm asking that question for a reason because immediately I felt the Spirit help me. Uh, reminded me of Elijah when he went to the widow's house. Remember, he goes to the widow's house. She had her and her son, and she had just enough food for one last meal. She said, I got enough for me and my son to eat one more meal, and then we're going to die. And then the, the man of God has the audacity to say, no, make me that last meal. How, how many of you know that would go over really well today? Huh? The preacher coming in, taking the widow's last meal. Scandalous. He goes in and, and, well, we know what happens. When she sows everything that she had, the Lord brought great provision to her. And that story's coming to my mind as I'm hearing him. And I said, okay, I said, we need to put the word of God to the test. The Bible says, whatever a man sows, he will also reap. God will not be mocked. You sow, he owes. And he's not going to owe anybody anything. He's going to make sure you're covered. And he's looking at me like, that's not really what I wanted to hear. <laughs> I'm like, sow that seed. Give that money. And he did. I didn't see him for a few weeks. And, and when I did, he said, guess what? I, I said, well, you're here, so something happened. You're still in school. He said, he said the money came in. He said, I sowed that seed. He said, and all of a sudden, money started coming in. And my school bill got caught up. He said, not only that, I got a job that is going to actually help pay this school bill. It's not just a job I'm going to have to eat by. It's actually going to, it's a blessing. To, it's enough money to do that and get me through school the rest of my time here. Put the word of God to the test. It will work. It will prove itself to you to you who will believe it and take action on it. Hmm? A couple more thoughts and then we'll go. Uh, for correction. Oh, we love that, don't we? How many of you love being corrected? Yeah. It's like every time I say to Heather, you're right. She goes, when are you going to get tired of saying that? I've been tired of it 25 years, but I'm still saying it. Correction. It means restoration to an upright or right state. Improvement of life or character. Oh, that's pretty good correction, isn't it? Improvement of life or character. This is the point of correction. To bring you to an upright state, right? To improve your life. To improve your character. That's all good. Well, I don't know what the Lord's trying to teach me by giving me this cancer. No, no That's not God doing that, first of all. Stop giving God credit for what the devil's out to do. All right? The devil came to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I came that you may have life and abundance. Cancer doesn't bring life. It brings death. All right? And that came as a result of sin, which came as a result of the devil. All right? That's not stuff for you to accept. That's stuff for you to reject from your life because it's not from God. Only good is coming from God. Only healing is coming from your heavenly Father. That's what Jesus came to show us the Father, and he went about doing good and healing all. All right. He never put sickness on anybody. Never did that to go. Now the Lord's going to teach you a lesson. We don't have one example of that in the New Testament scriptures. And yet, I don't know why people still do that. They still think that about God. It's unbelievable to me. Because we've swallowed religious kind of mentality. Huh? That God is angry with us and that we've done something wrong. So that's why the Lord's teaching. No, 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 no. He's going to correct you. And this says he's going to correct you. Through the scriptures. That's what this says. The scripture is what's bringing correction. All right? The scripture is what's bringing. 
So a person who rejects God's word as truth, you know, they may feel very much like they're on the right path, but they're going to find out they're going to be going astray because there's a way that seems right to a man, the scripture says, but the end thereof is destruction. He thinks he knows, but he doesn't. And we have to have the scriptures. If, if, if you, they've done these studies. If you blindfold a person and tell them to walk a straight line, they'll start off pretty well walking that straight line. But, you know, before long, they start turning circles, and the circle gets tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter. They've done this over and over again, and every person does the same thing because they do not have a fixed point to set their sights on. So they feel like they're walking in a straight line, and this is what they're doing. It's a way that seems right to a man. Hmm? That's why you need the word of God. You need the spirit of God to be your God because he knows ways you don't know and he sees ways you don't see. He understands. Amen. Praise God. Jesus Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the light. He didn't say, hey, I know the truth or look, the truth is over here. He said, I am the truth. Amen. The spirit of God instructs us through his word, restoring us to what's right. And he's here to continually improve your way of life. He's here to take you into the good things. And lastly, it says also it's profitable for instruction in righteousness. Now, when I was growing up, part of my upbringing would have told me this is instruction in righteousness. This is going to tell you what you should do and what you should not do. That's the instruction in righteousness. But that's not actually what this is saying. This is about the condition of righteousness. Not talking about doing righteous things. It's talking about the condition of righteousness. Here's the Greek. The state of him, this is righteousness means, the state of him who is as he ought to be. Who is as he ought to be. Did you catch that? That's your right now reality. In Christ Jesus, you are already is as you ought to be. The condition acceptable to God. This is who you are. And this is what the Spirit of God is here to do, to remind you, to instruct you that you are already in an acceptable condition with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Oh, that's really good. That's really good. It takes us back to the identity. He's there to bear witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. It's our own thinking and its own religious teaching and preaching out there that tries to make us feel insecure. The Holy Spirit never does that. Never does that. I want to say what he says. Hmm? Despite what my upbringing was or what I think about it. He's here to bear witness that we are children of God. And he's here to teach us. Lord, thank you. Why don't you just take a moment and commit yourself to him. Say, Spirit of God, teach me. I choose to acknowledge you in my ways. I don't want to do this my, my own way. Teach me. I open my heart to you. Open my life to you. I want to be one who is filled with and governed by the Spirit of God every day of my life. And I thank you for your help. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you right now. The Spirit is not here to talk down at you, to condemn you. No, 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 no. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Thank you right now for that freedom that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank you, Lord, for the gospel, the gospel that has come to us. Christ died for our sins. He was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And whoever believes on him, whoever calls on him will be saved. We thank you for that today, that you died for our sins so that we don't have to die from our sins. And we thank you, Jesus, 
for the price that you paid. Thank you for your broken body. Body broken that we may be healed. Your blood was shed to take away the sins of the world. And we stand here today justified by faith. And now we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And I thank you right now for being a very present help for those in need today. Lord, I know there are needs here, but you are the one who supplies our needs according to your riches and glory. You know what we have need of before we even ask. And I thank you, Father, that you care for each and every person and whatever their concerns are here today. And I pray, God, that whatever worries, waits maybe on them, that they'll take this moment right now to say, Lord, I give this to you. I'm not carrying this. I'm not supposed to carry this. Your yoke is easy. Your burden is light. I'm going to make this exchange with you. You take what I can't do anything about. You take the worries, the fears. You take the trouble. You take the debt. You take the sickness, whatever it may be, and I will receive what you came to give me. Life. Health. Blessing. Strength. Hope. Peace. Joy. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. And may he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and all of your house. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening. And we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.